Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is subscription first fulfillment with my friend Paul Jarrett. Guys, on my podcast, it's a constant theme. Pick a niche, pick or niche if you'd like. But we say it all the time. It's not just me saying it. Lots of people are saying it. And what we're noticing is more and more companies are doing that. And the ones that are doing it well are killing it. And that's exactly what Paul Jared and his team over at Bulu have done. They have picked a niche and it worked. They are subscription first fulfillment. Not everybody can do subscription boxes. Not everybody can do everything in this space, but they picked a niche and they are dominating that niche. Paul is also, uh, I call him like a force of nature. He is uh, very enthusiastic, smart, energized. Uh, You definitely want to hear Paul talk. But Before we get to the podcast, I want to tell you about my friends at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. If you're a small parcel shipper, you can save 40% with Tusk. And the way you can save 40% is Tusk has a great technology and they've connected a whole bunch of regional small parcel carriers. These are carriers that have been in business for a long time and they're excellent service, better than the big guys in their region. But you could never use them because they were just regional. Tusk has connected these guys into a national network. You can save 40% and have better service. And in addition, you get Tusk's technology, which is top-notch. Plus, you get Tusk, uh, their customer support. Overall, you can't lose. You get better service than you're going to get from the big guys. And you get better technology from the big guys. And the the service, um, the delivery time is better than the big guys. 40% savings. Do it. TuskLogistics.com. And right at the top, it says, get started. Click on that button and get started and save 40%. So how's it going, Paul? Fantastic. How you doing, Joe? Doing great. Doing great. Paul and I have been blathering way too long before we hit record. We should have hit record 45 minutes ago. (laughs) I'm trying trying not to fanboy out because I honestly have been listening to this podcast forever and using some of your quotes back. So so uh, that it was a it was a treat for me, Joe. Well, I appreciate it. So this is another problem. And I said, Paul, I go, God, I know I either you were introduced to me by somebody or I met you at Manifest. I don't think I met you at Manifest. And I said, Who introduced us? And then you said, Yeah, I think it was Joe Joe Spizek <laughs> or Phil. Yeah, there's as soon as I you started doing people in my circle that I knew, I was like, I got. I, I think I interviewed too. all your friends. That's the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. Paul and his team have done something really great and unique. So often when I interview people, I think, oh, you're just like so-and-so or just like so-and-so. And And that is not the case with you guys. So, Paul, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, my name is Paul Jarrett. I am the CEO and co-founder of Bulu, a subscription-first full-service 3PL. And I'm calling you from Lincoln, Nebraska. Very nice. So that is Bulu B. U-L-U. Does that name mean anything? Okay. So B-U-L-U. Yep. We say it like Hulu, but with a B. And 10 years ago when we started it, we, we said it's a secret. We're going to tell everybody someday when we hit, you know, X amount of millions. And the reality was it was just the best Google search optimization option. And I think that <laughs> the second day our site was up, we were like number one for the word Bulu, which it was even a feat back then, 10 years ago. So we we had been seeding it because it drove podcasters media nuts. And I'd ship them a book that said about my dog, meaning Bulu or buy us, love us. So we spread all these rumors and then we came out with it of, Sorry, it doesn't really mean anything. It was just a Google Play, <laughs> which I thought people would get a kick out of, but it really upset a lot of people. <laughs> that's just that's like every ever hear like a when a musician and you say, "Hey, what does that song mean?" Because it meant so much to me as a kid, and they're like, "I don't even know. I was high or drunk, or it means nothing." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you're like, yeah. 
Damn it. Stop it. Figure something out. (laughs) Most companies, their name, there was no specific reason, but they'll hire a PR firm to build a story around the name. And I just thought like being from advertising and marketing way, way back in the day, I was like, let's just say what we're actually doing. Let's just be transparent. I got to tell you, the logistics of logistics started as a blog and I wanted to write, I was writing about kind of demystifying the logistics space because I came from the supply chain and I always thought there's so much jargon, so much misunderstanding. And so I started and and my executive coach, Ann Holmes said, just call it the logistics of logistics and get started. And I was like, because I was wasting time, of course. And then she said, I go, and I wrote it down. I was like, the logistics of logistics. I was like, that, that, that's a good placeholder. I'll figure something. I'll figure out something good. And then I called my brother-in-law who created my website. Uh, that's over at Sun and Interactive. And he said, oh, I love that name. I go, well, no, that's just a – I'll figure <laughs> out. And he goes, it's available. Buy it. And but So I'm a little envious, though, because the logistics of logistics is long and a mouthful, where Bulu is like, bam. Yeah. Yeah, we had to go with BuluGroup.com, and we have been trying to get Bulu forever. And there's an interesting story of a missing person in another country, and they use that to use find missing yeah. children. And and so I'm like, hey, let's let that sit. And, and but we didn't know that when we started. But you know, well, I'm sure we'll get it, like if it's appropriate or whatever. But BuluGroup.com yep. is cool with us. So what do you guys do over there in Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah, so we work with companies that typically a relation starts off with. Um, they've identified this is e-commerce, CPG, consumer packaged goods, and DTC mainly, direct-to-consumer. And typically they have not added subscription or they are not doing it correctly. Because as you know, you know, selling individual sale products and selling products that are shipped on a recurring basis – um, those are, you know, if not done correctly, they become really terrible inventory nightmares. And since we've been doing it for 10 years, you know, we're really good at it. So we come in, we add our optimized subscription on people's websites, and we'll do that for free as long as we do the fulfillment. And with the fulfillment, we're saving people a couple bucks, and, you know, that's where we make our money is doing that. And we're able to do that because we work with some big brands like Disney, GNC, Crayola, and now we're kind of the last, you know, really year or so we're going downstream to help the people that I really want to help, right? Like entrepreneurs that want to scale. Yes, we do the traditional 3PL work that's easy for us, right? Yes, we do Amazon. Yes, we do retail. And we learned all that on, you know, GNC's dime, right? And Disney's dime. And now we want, you know, we're bringing that to the masses. And it's really fun to work with entrepreneurs that are scaling and you can actually take the headache of subscription and fulfillment off their hands and talk with them and help them grow and share knowledge and not just be a, you know, sign up online and send us your stuff, right? That that tends to be challenging. So what's the advantage for companies to, to do subscription? What are typical products that are subscription boxes? Yeah, it's, so that's been a really shocking thing to, you know, almost enlighten or see before a lot of people. Because if you go online, uh, you know, I, I've always tell people, pick a category, you know, like just go organic soap, right? Google it, go three to five links down and nobody for the next eight pages of Google selling organic soap is going to have any form of subscription, right? They might have it on their Amazon site, but we all know, you know, they're trying to cut back off of the Amazon drug, right? And make that extra margin. Oh, themselves. so big big brands are trying to get off the marketplace. It, there's, it feels like you know, really within the last probably since January, there's been some initiatives pushed down by some really large brands to add subscription and make sure it syncs. So I think a lot of big brands, I would say, they're realizing a rising tide raises all boats online. So you know, if you're selling on Walmart and Amazon, you should actually have the same you know, subscription offering things on your own website because it's good for SEO. So that's good. But I would say a lot of the mid-sized and smaller brands, they, you know, get hooked into that Amazon environment and they just get nickel and dimed, right? And, you know, to be able to save that money and do it better, you know, that's that's a big deal. And so that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now. 
Yeah, I think it, I've said this before on my podcast, but not lately, is let's just say I started right now and I want to sell something. I want to sell, since it's yep. right in front of me, a light, right? I want to sell lights yeah. and I want to do it online. I'm going to do, so I, somebody says, well, why don't you sell on Amazon? Well, yeah, why wouldn't I? So that's that's one option. If 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 they'll take me, they don't take everybody. So I get on and there. You can always stop selling on Amazon. Yeah, I tell people you can always stop selling, and if it doesn't work out. And I think in a lot of ways, it's fast, it's easy. But then also, I say, okay, now I have to drive traffic to my own website so I can exactly. sell it that way, and that's really hard. But I, I think the challenge with Amazon, and again, I buy from Amazon. I'm not against them. When I go on and say I want to buy this nike product and i don't think nike's on there anymore <laughs> for this reason i put i type in i like hoka so i say hoka and i put on hoka amazon is a marketplace so their job is to give me options so they say hey that's cool would you rather buy this 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 all of which are cheaper than hoka's right and then they have so they also have sponsors right so so in a lot of ways uh, if you're hoka or another brand you're like yeah, I mean, I love Amazon, but the, you know they they have a different job. We we are not fully aligned. <laughs> exactly, and and it's companies like Hoka where you go, you know, they go, oh, we're not subscription or whatever, and, and you go, well, don't you know the shoe thing you got down that makes sense, right? But you know, what about shoe cleaner? What about shoe... I would buy Hoka's by subscription. Yeah, there you go. You know, every what six hundred miles on shoes, but you know they got shoe cleaners, shoe fresheners, insoles, right? And, you know, I always say, just go walk around CVS, Walmart, look at all, you know, what, what thing are you constantly buying at the store? It can be subscription. And it's enlightening to me how many brands are out there that really don't understand that they have that. And by getting somebody on subscription, you're reducing your customer acquisition costs, right? You're reducing your shipping costs because you're able to predict your future with the carriers and you're increasing the customer lifetime value because it is an expectation for customers to be able to order that, right? Way better to sell me some manly soap subscription and yep. and then be able to upsell me a razor and something that'll grow my hair back than to Exactly. Than to sell me soap. <laughs> yep. And 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 once you man, once you know those companies that work with get a taste of that, we always say like let's get enough subscription to pay the utility bill at the beginning, you know. And once they get a taste of that, it's a different world because if done correctly, you can get the top thirty percent of your customers to your website that are purchasing to get a subscription. And that's just you know, it's it I've always been in subscription for well over a decade and I always thought of that Warren Buffett compound interest, right? And that's what that subscription to me, is. subscription is, that's what it is to me. And, you know, what my favorite moment is watching the CFO's light bulb go off because we all know if the CFO actually wants to do it, it's probably going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a funny thing though because if I go to the aisle to buy that bar of soap and I look and go, oh, I'm going to buy this. Oh, it's a buck more than this one. Yeah, soap is soap, right? That's one thing. But if I'm buying it online and I'm not, I may maybe on your website and I'm seeing, oh, this this is a manly soap and it's organic and it's this and it's that. I'm not saying I don't go online and say, is it a what's the price of that? I'm not price oh, yeah. sensitive because now you're selling me almost like a lifestyle enhancement where you're like, yes. get our soap, yes. our shampoo, our razor. And we'll give you a little booklet that'll tell you how to live as a as a as a manly man. And I was like, oh yeah, this is all for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 the right messaging, we buy. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. It is a relationship, right? When you're and they study this time and time again. When you go to the store, it is the packaging and the feel and, and getting it in your hand. When you're looking, I won't buy the one bar of soap for a buck more, but I'll sign up right. for a subscription to pay a buck more forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, probably you're going to get it a buck less, right? Forever, right? And when you go to a website, it is all about the copy, the look, you know, how you're feeling and building that relationship. And man, you know, you, you hit that subscription button, you know, that's, that's a, you, now you get to get in front of your customer 
on a repeat basis. And that's when we take the conversation to, hey, they're on subscription. Now you got a direct mail piece for free going to that person every month, three months, annually. And and then you're getting into like really interesting territory, right? Referral in the boxes, points. Yeah. It's cool to see when it works. Done right. It's brilliant. So let's let's come back to all that. Tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Bulu. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska in Shamrock Mobile Home Park. So I'm a Nebraska trailer park boy. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And uh, watching my parents, you know, there were people getting evicted and there was trailers there. And my dad had the brilliant idea to buy them for a buck. And to uh, use us four kids to fix up these trailers, you know, and a roach infested trailer is not unusual, right? And um, watching my parents, you know, start a business and be entrepreneurs, you know, it's it's just in the DNA. You know, when you're sitting under your mom's desk and she's, you know, evicting somebody, you know, you learn you learn how to fire bad clients, right? <laughs> and uh, so grew up there, and you know, just grew up in a home where. You, so grateful for my parents. You know, we wanted a pair of Nike shoes. We had to work to get it. Right. And and if we wanted something, it was never no. It was like, how are you going to get it? You know, let's talk about that. And so that was kind of the basis of a lot. You know, my parents were a bit encouraging of hustling and selling stuff in school. So I have, you know, the traditional, uh, you know, uh, hustles that a lot of kids had selling candy, selling CDs and games and grew up. And, and uh, my father kind of said, uh, you know, look, if, I got a, a little bit of money for college, but uh, if you earn an athletic scholarship, you know, I'll, I'll give that money to you. And I was like, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. And then there was kind of a side note of, and I don't know if you're going to get into college, you want to without uh, that scholarship. And and I was like, come on, dad, I got, you know, pretty much straight A's, but my brother and sister are brilliant. And so uh, it was like, kind of like, okay, you third born, you're the athlete, right? And so worked my tail off. Ended up getting a couple of scholarship offers and decided to go to Iowa State. Really liked what they were doing. Just, you know, learned the, the recruiting and how important face-to-face -face time was, right? Which I still use all those lessons today. And went to Iowa State, came starting 315-pound nose guard. Oh, wow. Then I actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Played. How tall are a couple you? Of about six five. Oh, so three hundred fifteen pounds is even big and six five. So what do you weigh now? Yeah, I'm probably about two forty. I should probably be about two twenty five. But yeah, yeah, it I, doesn't. I, you I, don't uh, look fat. So that, so you no, had well, to put you. on a lot of muscle on there. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never. I won a lot of bets because people would say you're not three hundred and fifteen pounds, and I'd step on the scale. So um, yeah, and then I did wrestling and a little bit of MMA. So I'm I'm used to understanding how to control the weight. That's that, that corn-fed Nebraska farm boy that we yeah. all hear about. You're, you are it, him. You know? <laughs> yep, exactly. That You just stumbled into it. And uh, it's, yeah, I also think, um, you know, around around these parts, you know, it's, it's not what college, you know, it's not about MIT or it's not about uh, Harvard or whatever. It's about like, what school can you get a scholarship? You know, what it's all football. It's all sports. If so. I'm not mistaken, uh, Warren Buffett went to Nebraska, right? I think he also went to Columbia, yep. <laughs> but I think He's he graduated all, yeah. from Nebraska. <laughs> yep, born, born, born and raised Omaha, Nebraska boy. The uh, what do they call the Oracle right. of Omaha? He's done yeah, right. he's done all right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so did the college thing and um, decided like, oh, there's you know, I probably would have did the NFL thing, maybe practice squad, but just beat up you know you name andrea probably had it and i just kind of looked up and i love up. football but that's the part i don't like is yeah. that when i watch um young men uh, get hurt in that game because everyone's gonna end up with bad knees and a bad back at some point but it shouldn't be at 24 years old <laughs> exactly exactly i mean it, it's you know i'm up shaking the rest off for about an hour and a half two hours every morning so but, you know, there's, it, it's tough because I love it, but, you know, there's pros and cons. I tell people rest, wrestling is you get a lot of less. I say team sport and individual sport, you'll cover your bases, right? So what you do after? what'd you do after school? Yep. So packed up my bags, bag pleaded for an internship in New York City. I wanted to work in advertising, and I think I knocked on about 300 ad agency doors and Somebody said, uh, can you move boxes that are 100 pounds? I said, yes, sir. They said, can you lace 100,000 shoes? Can you do this? And I was like, yep, yep, yep. So they I'm got born me for these jobs. Labor. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I had a driver's license. I had never drove in New York, but just having a driver's license was a big deal. And um, it was actually, I was part of the team that launched the Lance Armstrong bracelet stuff and everything. I, oh, I yeah, remember that Liv, what is that, Livestrong? Yeah. Yep, yep. I remember that was laughing. huge. Yeah, the bracelet started off as at our booths as just a giveaway. Like, here, just take this thing. And, and I remember I was on eBay. And these bracelets were going for thousands of dollars and I'm turning around looking at them in my bag. You know, I'm the, I'm the carrier of the bracelets, right? It, it really helped out with the union workers uh, when I needed the loading docks and that, you know, when I needed a couple of favors, I was handing out bracelets. But that was, you know, they, before I graduated college, I was offered a full-time job because, you know, it was just that thing where I've always worked, whether it was football or anything else, you know, I was taught to stand near the person making the main decisions and just ask, how can I help? How can I help? And you'll get opportunity. And so that was great. You know, my wife and I um, were both doing the advertising thing, bouncing around, went to San Francisco. And then we actually got, were, did a pit stop and I helped start a company called Complete Nutrition, which was we grew from, when I started, we were about seven franchises and we grew to 350 plus in two years. And um, I was employee seven and we were doing, it was basically a high end GNC, right? Like a really nice vitamin shop. And we had a tiger by the tail and I learned vitamin supplement, shipping, e-commerce, store design, all those things I was in charge of at 26. No clue what I was doing. And everybody is like, you're nobody else did either. <laughs> well, it was, it was just, you know, my wife would say my superpower is shamelessness, right? Like I would just go walk into a gap, say, Hey, can I have your store design booklet? Right. I was just walking into stores, getting all the information, you know, learning layers of whatever. And same thing with e-commerce. And I've just kind of always been that way. And my wife has always been my partner in crime and we've worked together almost our entire careers at different locations. And we decided, okay, we are doing, um, we were living in San Francisco and we were doing, uh, we were sought after by Visa, NFL, bunch of big brands. And we were doing freelance on the side of building these Facebook pages out. And it got to the point where uh, it's funny because I just ran into at a conference, the lady that kind of cut the final check that was enough for us to quit our jobs and go. And she's like, I kicked that off, didn't I? I'm like, yes, you did. We needed that 60,000 so bad. And so we just said, hey, you know, we, we can live on our own. We can eat on our own. Like, let's do it. And I said, but here's the catch. I love advertising, marketing, branding. Do not get me wrong. But after being in New York City, doing sales and pitches and doing all this stuff, I cannot, and, and, and I love you ad agency and marketing and branding people, but I cannot sell air. I cannot sell, you know, it needs to be this color. The brand needs to look this way because of the research, because so much of that is still, but the best way for 99% of people to get the real marketing message and branding is to just put it in front of people. You will save more time and money going to, and, and I still do this to this day. I'll get four conferences in a row and go booth to booth, just testing message. And I know when people repeat it back to me, like a subscription first full service 3PL, <laughs> that is when, you know, that that is, you know, a year and $3 million of market research, right? And so we were doing that and she said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I got this idea, but I just want to wait or whatever. So I was getting restless. She conned me into a marathon. It's actually a half marathon, but I did a full marathon. And we got done with the race and they were giving us all these samples. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, Nebraska boy, I'm not used to getting a pair of shoes for a sample. You know, a gallon of milk, for example, I was blown away. I was like, look at, you know, I was the guy that left the race with eight bags full of stuff, right? And we were looking at it and we said, you know, we don't know the ROI on this stuff. And, and I do know that the fastest way to convert somebody is the sample. Like, what about if we just put samples in shipments and if people want more, they just give us their email address and then we can figure out what the ROI is. And just looking, researching, we ran into a company called Birchbox, which was one of the very first subscription boxes. And I'm telling you, they were not even functional when we were looking at it. And I was like, oh, vitamins and supplements are a fast follower to makeup. If this thing works for Birchbox, 
it will absolutely work if we launch a product. So we launched actually our own subscription box. It's called Bulu Box. Grew to 60,000 paying customers in the first 18 months. Had a tiger by the tail, ton of fun. And we just identified another opportunity with... Well, who was doing the fulfillment for you? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, nobody ever wants to talk logistics, really. And so I naturally, <laughs> like, skip over that. And when you first get into it, it's a nightmare. It's terrifying. You know, you, you're trying to, you know, just figure it out. And it's dang near... If you're a marketing person and you're used to putting together messaging or a business person who's used to getting products and doing ROI, all of it is a digital thing. It's your, your whiteboarding yeah. it. And I always say it's beautiful when you get that website up and you go, I think we caught caught the attitude, the feel, the words are right. When I read those words and then it gets all so ugly after they put it in the basket and say, buy, buy this. And then it gets, then it goes from this beautiful dream to how the hell are we going to ship this thing? <laughs> yep. That is why, you know, much beyond what we're doing, my long-term vision is own the order page to the mailbox to the return because there are more challenges in that little area. Say that again. My long-term vision. So, you know, we're doing the subscription first full service 3PL and it's solving, you know, mostly we're, we're really solving a lot of API and software challenges, right? But if, you know, when I'm talking to investors and, and you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, when I start to look at 2025, 2026 and on, I know that if we stay in the, and I say the from the order page on the website to the mailbox and some of the returns that come back, if I live and work and just think exclusively in that space, there are enough problems to solve for the next 10 to 20 years. Right. And right. that's... That's where that's where I want to stay. You, you want to make the ugly part pretty. Yeah. So so when you started, you started with your own box, the Bulu box. Do you still have that? Yeah. No, we don't. No. It uh we we singular focus, but man, you know, 6 years of six, 6 to 8 years somewhere in there of running that. We we held on to it for a lot of learning lessons. Were you doing the, your own fulfillment or did you pay someone? <laughs> yeah. We started in a 490 square foot apartment in San Francisco and two dogs, my wife and I, and we were packing and filling out of there. And then we upgraded to my parents' basement in Nebraska where everybody and their mother, you know, I remember our first, like we we're like shipping 500 boxes and we we're like, this is awesome, you know? And um, we went out to find a fulfillment firm because I was kind of dead set on, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on this. And Honestly, the first two we crushed, like we, we beat them down and, you know, that was kind of the first between building out subscription on the website. And we were actually working with the founder of Shopify, believe it or not at the time, because oh, wow. it was so hard. <laughs> he finally came, he said he has customer service. He finally came clean. I was like, Oh, Toby is Tobias. Okay. Wow. That makes sense. But also they were just happy to have us as a customer because they had nobody. Right. So we're, we're doing that. And then we're going locally. Nebraska's got plenty of logistics companies, right? We got I-80 going right through Lincoln. And um, we're working with these companies, and we just did not understand how big 60,000 shipments a month was for logistics companies. We had no clue, you know, and not for all logistics companies, but for the ones that were just not. But this is a, that's kind of a new world, though, because previously, you know, if you go back 20 years ago, a lot of the stuff would have been parcels that went out to a store. Yep. I mean, sorry, yep. parcels, pallets that went out to a store, not parcels that got shipped to homes. And so you might have said, oh, we had a busy day. We shipped out 800 pallets, not 80,000 small parcels. The world's changed. And and but what's interesting is a lot of the fulfillment companies that are now, I'll call them the newer breed of, they started as e-commerce sellers and realized how hard it was to get fulfillment, right? Yeah. We both know Joe Spizak. I published that podcast yesterday. Him and his wife started gaming game companies, board games. Couldn't find the right fulfillment. They bought, they went to one company, didn't work out. Then they said, went to a second one. And by that, you're getting the second one. You got to already have some lessons learned. You've been burned. And then they went to a third one. And then they decided, let's open our own. And 
uh, now he owns fulfilled or they own fulfilled.com which is helps people select but it tells you how difficult it was and maybe still is for for e-commerce shippers and i will say if you're clorox like i know you work with some of the big big boys yeah, yeah. They have resources. They have a bench. They can come in and say, we are willing to spend money and do these things. If you're a small e-commerce company and you've been doing some shipments out of your garage, out of your parents' basement, wherever, you need money and you need a partner. And and a lot of times when they call e-commerce companies, they say, no, you're too small. We have a minimum order. I, I talk to a lot of small e-commerce companies that tell me no one will work with me. And during the pandemic, I would tell them, save save your time. Do not call because nobody wants you. Yeah. A part of our thing, and, and I'll, I might regret saying this, uh, but um, we we don't have any minimums currently. And that's, that is, you know, kind of the number at our Whoa, company is. I didn't for, realize yeah, yeah. So you're taking every, a bet. You're week. taking a big bet on. You're hoping that we bring on someone who eventually sells that birch box or bulu box, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and if you look at the VC model or whatever, and and again, we're we're at the you know we we did our work right, and we'll ship two million out for a large brand, right? And and big brands come to us because they know we understand how to do subscription in retail, how to tie up the systems. You buy something in a Disney store or you buy something in a GNC store. And we have all the systems built out to make it all seamless. And really it's an inventory issue, right? And, you know, I had the luxury to go, well, this is actually who I want to work with and what I want to do because company, these brands, you know, I don't care if we get 10 of them and only one succeeds. The one that, that hits the numbers of subscription, right? Or even just a traditional 3PL number, those are the people that will support the rest of them, right? And that might change over time, but right now it's these these brands, I mean, they're leaving money on the table by not doing subscription, by not doing their inventory, by not doing kidding is another thing that we really, really like were born and bred in. And when these companies find out, you know, yes, we're really great little 3PL, but you lay, layer on subscription, kidding, and the added value, we are a different class, which you have to do. And by solving that problem for them of, you know, not having the time, technology, or resources to properly do inventory and, and subscription, what we end up doing is we are reducing their customer acquisition cost, right? Because they're on subscription. We're reducing their shipping rate because we do mostly subscription. So we can beat up the carriers because we know how many trucks we're going to need, right? And you increase the customer lifetime value, right? Because if subscription's done correctly on your website, your top 30% of your customers should be buying something on subscription. Now, the flip of that is if you do it incorrectly, you're going to piss off a whole bunch of people and your best customers first. And it's cool to find people that will, they know when they need that and they know that, you know, we can do that for them. And it's, you know, if somebody says they call us up just for cutting costs, that's a tough conversation for us. But if they call us up and they want to grow and they have that growth mentality, that's who we want to talk to. And that's why, you know, no minimums right now is a thing. Excellent. Excellent. So when when we talk about subscriptions, I know like a lot of companies, there's food subscriptions. Do you guys do food? Yep. We're FDA compliant. You know, actually GNC, vitamins and supplements are considered a food. And, and forgive me if you know that and some of your listeners know that, but by, you know, having to ship globally for, you know, GNC, Disney, Crayola, Crayola is a chemical company. We've had to get a lot of certifications. We, you know, real-time temperature, humidity readouts. And again, Thank you. Thankfully to the large brands who, you know, they're not shy to pay the, those dollars for those systems, you know, and we're always up front with them like, hey, we can do it, but we need to do this. Now we get to bring that down to everybody else. And it's really cool to, you know, have a company that, you know, they, they ship chocolate or whatever. And, you know, we know the degree for the type of chocolate that it needs to be at. And, you know, you're just not going to get that at a lot of places. Right. And And it's a cool offer. Are you shipping temperature controlled food? So we got 72 degrees ambient temperature and humidity. And what we say is if it's in a package and it's shelf stable, 
call us, right? Now, if you need cold storage or there's any a point that you're opening up a package, still give us a call. But, you know, nine out of 10 of our inbound calls like turn into nothing. But we always, we have learned over a decade that if we answer questions and we are direct and we help connect people to other people, that that's where the business really comes from. So for example, if you called me today and said, I need cold storage, I would say, hey, go talk to Monty Freilich. He's 45 minutes away in Council Bluffs. He's got 200,000, more than that, actually. He's got, you know, 40, I forget, it's absurd numbers. And it just launched a brand new cold storage facility, right? And that's that's how it works, you know? And just knowing where to send people. I, I It's funny because I am the number one person that, I shouldn't say this, I know I'll get me in trouble, but I hate 3PLs. Like I actually hate 3PLs because I had such a bad experience and there's smoke and mirrors and there's just like in the industry, there's good guys and bad guys. I think I just happen to find the bad ones first. Right. And so I always feel like, you know, our mission unintentionally is to recognize and say like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, mom and pops or, you know, even big companies are smoke and mirrors. We dislike the 3PL industry. And by being, it's a crazy concept, firm, fair, and transparent and getting people the answers that they're looking for. If you have the grit to do that and do that for a long time, the benefit long-term comes back to you. You know, I'm sure you have people that come to you all the time, Joe, because, you know, you do the right by the most amount of people and believe in it. And, you know, our best clients are the ones we've worked with and they go on to move and work out of their companies, right? And and uh, yeah, yeah. And I should say, I hate 3PLs when they don't spend the time to go through the pricing, right? And that's why we have a price pricing calculator on our website. So just put it up there. Just put it up there. It's interesting. When, you, when you're willing to kind of go that extra mile for people, it, it, it pays back. It doesn't pay back right away and it doesn't always pay back those people, but that's a karma thing, I guess. But one of the things I've learned over time is from talking to people about it is it's really hard to have... Well, if you're going to have a subscription f- food business, well, if you're going to have a food business that ships to homes, you almost always need a subscription where because the cost is so high for anything that's temperature controlled. And I've told multiple people this over time is your temperature controlled, and I, I'll say ice cream, dog food, all the ones that I've talked to people, it's almost impossible because the product might cost $10, but the shipping, not because of... UPS or FedEx, but the, the the ice pack or whatever you're using to keep it cold and the handling at the warehouse is so high that you can't sell it. And it's interesting. If you go like Salt and Straw, their ice cream company out in Portland, they ship. So does haagen You can buy ice cream from haagen but you look at how much more you're paying. What they do is they take the logistics costs, the transportation costs, and put it into the product. So it might say 60, and then they'll force you to buy a minimum of seven, right? So you go, okay, I got to buy seven of these Haagen-Dazs or salt and straw. And then they will be like $10 a piece. You're like, God, that's a lot for ice cream. Well, it's because the logistics, the packaging cost is so high. So it, it, it's one of the difficult things. It's, it's almost like uh, the, the same, it's an impossible, impossible right now to make those work in most cases. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that over 10 years and, you know, frankly, you know, having people that dozens me and to, dozens to, and, and pay me money to come give presentations where you go, oh, not everybody knows this. There's a formula called the uh, CAC to LTV payback formula, uh, customer acquisition cost to lifetime value and your payback, right? Our CAC to LTV payback ratio. And anybody can Google it. And, you know, with subscription, it's different, right? And, and what you see is these companies, they're selling individual items and they have their margin in their head and they go, let's group up these food items as one and we'll make our margin. And we'll come in and we'll help them understand like, hey, look, as long as the customer acquisition cost is this and the lifetime value is 3x or more greater and you understand your margins, how much you want to make, and that's paid back in X amount of months because we understand the churn rate, that's the golden goose for subscription. And it's so fun to see that CFO's light bulb go off and go, 
oh my gosh, it is lower margin, but they're staying on for X amount of months, you know, it might be three, might be eight. And then that compound interest comes into play. And it's so fun to do that with brands that are, you know, they, they know they need to scale, but you know, you help them see the KPIs for subscription, right? Yeah. I will say ever since I started interviewing people like you, I pay attention to when I do get something sent to my house. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't have any subscriptions, but I do have uh, stuff that comes and you always are looking at the packaging. And what I've become really aware of is with the subscriptions, I've, I'm online and I'll use, I think we've all probably seen the hymns commercials, right? So they have a certain, certain vibe, right? And so you go, you go to their website, it has a certain vibe. I buy from them, right? Now, when it comes to my house, I'm no longer looking at the website. I'm already, I have a subscription. But if I open that subscription and the presentation is off, again, forget the website, forget the commercials. Now this is the brand. It is the box that I'm opening. And if if it's overly difficult, if it's too too big a box, if if there's too much junk mail in there, like if I say, all right, I don't mind that you put a flyer in there. I mind it that you put 10 in. If the product doesn't look right, if it's, and again, these, the look and feel of this stuff, it reminds me, I was an automotive guy. We say the fit and feel, right? This, everything I can see, everything I can touch. Every great, get in a car and put your hands on that steering wheel and it feels wrong and you go, the back of the steering wheel doesn't look, oh, they didn't, and they don't do it anymore. They used to, where the back of the steering wheel felt funny. It's the same with those boxes. I don't know what the science is, but I do know there's a science. And if I open that box and I go, maybe the bottle, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not bringing, I don't buy anything from Hims. But if I did, if I look at the bottle and go, oh, I just thought it would look better. I, I, these are split second decisions that we're all making in our head. And it's the brand impact is right there. It's no longer the website. It's no longer the commercials. It's this. This is real life from now on. And that's where I always say, uh, we spend a lot of time on the messaging and on the branding and those m- commercials that appeal in a way that it's it's an emotional appeal. But then, I'm, and everything changes though, because now the box is everything. You have to, in, in my opinion, and, and let's get one thing straight, the margins have to be correct or the projected margins, right? You can't go all willy-nilly with it. You, you have to know where the roadblocks are, right? But- if you start to think of it as I'm shipping them a Christmas gift, right? And the science, we have studied the science. We've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to learn about this. You know, you got about 1.8. Can you help them with the packaging? So it looks like when I open that box, yeah. it's like, it feels like Christmas morning. <laughs> yep. We, we do a lot of that. And it's, again, it's one of those added value things where we go, Hey, we got stock boxes. You'll save a ton of money, but also we ship a lot of different things. We have plates. We know the vendors to go to. Are you trying to do inside the box, outside the box? Easiest is they just share their budget because with subscription, what's cool is our goal is to get back as much money possible to the company because we expect that money to go into marketing because we want subscription to grow, right? But that box, you got about 1.8 seconds of when they start to open it. And what you actually wanna do is you wanna make them say in their minds, wow, as in like, wow, I never knew this existed or offer or something just to catch them off guard. You want them to be able to feel, so the material, like packing peanuts are a big no-no, right? Actually, I'm not a huge fan of it. There's, I got it laying all over even, even here. Crinkle paper, right? Like it's not a fun thing, but in the eyes of the customer, you, they get their hands on it, they can feel it. It actually increases negative space and void fill in the box, right? So it makes it feel like the product is coming out, right? And then we say taste, smell. You actually, if you have the ability to, you know, like Crayola, we were spraying like little Crayola smell crayons. Like we always try to throw as many Crayola crayons in their boxes as we could. Because, you know, we might take it back to third grade, the teacher's uh, pet or uh, the principal's office, right? But that taste, feel, wow. Yeah. And then the other other space, you got to manage the weight with that and the box. And if you can get that correctly you can start to look at that package like direct mail, right? And what do you do with that? Right. But I'll throw one other thing in there. And this is, I know I'm sensitive to it, waste. 
So I've got, I used to yes, subscribe yes. to this a planner, right? So these planners would come once a quarter. I would get this planner, and I remember it came, and it was this great. The, the feel of the planner is great and everything, but they put it in like a sleeve. And I was like, oh, this is very nice. But then right afterwards, I was like, this is an expensive sleeve. What, what am I going to do with it? I have no need to put my planner back in that sleeve. And there was all this extra paper. And it started to be upsetting to me because I felt wasteful to throw out what felt like a few bucks. Yeah. Well, one thing that would cause you you know, maybe a little relief is by shipping directly to a customer, the amount of carbon and waste that you would save, because most products are going to go distribution center to a store. They might get moved around. They might get shipped to another store. What we found by starting the, helping be part of the subscription box trade association, because that's always was a concern is it is exponentially lower carbon footprint to have something shipped directly to you now that's not taking returns and everything into consideration. But when you start getting into the trucks and moving it around and, and et cetera, it's still better, but I agree with you. And I would say founders, pick up the phone, call your customers. You hear something like what Joe said, go put a little button right at checkout that says, I don't want to sleeve. And subscription, everything that they study shows you have to give all the options to the customer. You should be able to, pop your phone open, go to the site and it pause my subscription and it's simple. And you'll actually retain customers longer, right? There's difference between a pausing the subscription, deleting the subscription and deleting your profile. And that's just like one of a hundred things that we see people get challenged with. Yep. So let's switch gears here. I'm, uh, I want to understand who do you work with? Who's your sweet spot? Give me, I'm sure you have a few customer segments and what problems do you solve for each one of those customer segments? Yeah. So you know, we know vitamins, supplement, healthy snack, you know, we'll, we'll say food, right? But I want to be cautious of, you know, we'll, we'll shoot you somewhere else if it's cold storage. But we say, number one, vitamin supplements, healthy snacks. Probably the biggest offender of not having vitamin D on subscription, right? Not having, you know, a, a snack that they like, um, kids stuff, right? Like, And people will always spend on supplements, won't they? Always, always, always. And, you know, kids, you know, um, those little uh, squirt fruit puree things, right? Those can get really expensive in the store, right? Expiration dates are really hard to manage, right? But you're shipping directly from, you know, one location. Those are work well. So, you know, I would say, yes, we do a lot of traditional 3PL fulfillment for vitamin supplements, healthy snacks. But Really, the golden goose is that adding subscription for free on their website, right? That's where we really turn a lot of heads. The next category is pet or um, animal, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that also gets into veterinarian, you know, flea and tick, chew toys, et cetera. Dog food's tough because it's big, heavy, et cetera. But there's a lot of companies that have a lot of pet-related products, especially in the pandemic. That that's the number one category that needs subscription. And that's the number one category that's growing in subscription and very similar to vitamins and supplements, the problem we're solving. And then the third is makeup and beauty and, and general health. And we got a lot of those clients and those makeup is really exploding with brands right now, but those are kind of the, the ones that we focus on the most. And, you know, as we were talking before the podcast, a lot of clients will come to us I think I could use their names like American Express or Pepsi and they have a challenge with a product and they've been thinking about us because they know they need subscription, but internally it's a lot of time and money and it's easier to get it going with somebody else. And a lot of times we'll do a special project for them and we will, we look at it like a customer acquisition cost, right? We had a pancake company long table pancakes and they were on shark tank and they unexpectedly blew up. Right. And we got passed, you know, they got passed around to a lot of fulfillment companies and they said, you know, third time we heard you guys, we figured we better call and we were able to take care of 20,000 shipments in like one or two days, but kind of a wink and a handshake of like, we are going to get the rest of this and manage the subscription. Right. right? So so those are those are a lot of the ways, but a lot of them are just people we've worked with in ten years, you know. And so you guys got really good at the software of this. So when you say, let's just say you you you're online, you got your sales guys, they're looking online and they find a brand that doesn't have a subscription. 
service offering and you reach out to them and say, I notice you don't have that. How about, how about you work with us? How's the, tell me how that works. Well, we got a couple of tools that, uh, you know, they click a button or two and it kind of scrapes. It's all legal. <laughs> scrapes the website, looks at everything, doesn't take any information, but we can really quickly see, is it Shopify, Magento? What platform are they on? I think we work with like a hundred different ones, Wix, you know, whatever it is. And then we can kind of actually even see attempts. I'm sharing all our secrets. We can actually see attempts of when they've tried to do subscription. Um, a lot of times they have a little bit of code or they got an app or something that's still lingering. So we can say like, So they hey. might have a bad taste in their mouth when you guys call. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a lot, and a lot of times they You're the say, palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we say, look, we know you're leaving money on the table because you lack the time, talent, and infrastructure. We can see you've attempted it or you've never attempted it. We'll do that part for free. You know, let us do this. And, you know, when you have somebody, if you just get... You know, we, we do, I'm a big fan of cold calling and all that stuff. And, and even though percentages mostly come from referrals, I love when our, I hear our sales rep and their, you know, the sales pit going, uh, well, I can see you have Shopify and I can see you had recharge and we'll keep that. And you've done some heavy lifting or, you know, we can see you're on Shopify, but actually Q pilot is like a really good solution for this or smarter or whatever. So we stay agnostic with the actual software that we put in. So if I'm an entrepreneur, I actually do not want the company managing my order page and the subscription buttons on that side and sitting on the fulfillment. That actually scares me, right? So like I tell entrepreneurs, I'm like, no, you wanna hold the keys as much as you can. It's a good thing we're using a third-party app like Qpilot or Recharge or whoever, right? And, And so, now you're going to see that. And really what it turns into is, I always say, uh, you know, Stacy in e-commerce really isn't looking forward every week to call him Bubba at the warehouse. And I love you, Bubba. At the warehouse to ensure that the APIs and the data are flowing together, right? And that's a lot of what we do. And, you know, you get a personalized account manager. They're in the warehouse. You can FaceTime them on an iPhone and they'll walk out to the floor and they'll show you, you know, challenges, issues that all three PLs have. But we want to teach people how to fish, right? And and when you don't need your account manager, you can, you know, not pay that fee and, you know, work with the group, right? And it's just all of those things over 10 years that we wished existed and big brands wished existed and they paid for it. Now we can bring it to the masses. So is subscription, like these boxes, are these, is this a good business for, I know you said DTC, but my sense is that there's got to be a, a future for, not direct to consumer, but direct to business. Absolutely. Yes. We, we have plenty of clients that do that. It's, you know, whenever people ask the focus, you know, the more fulfillment you can do, the more specific, you know, it's like Seth Godin's tribes, right? Like you want to service the niche, right? But a lot of those companies have a B2B part, you know, they have a whatever. And it reminds me, like if you were going to buy office equipment, I'm not office, office supplies, you know, post-it notes and all that kind of stuff. In the past, there'd be kind of like a peddler sales guy who'd come around and you'd buy it, or there's a local store that you buy at. Well, now I got to think somebody says, you know what, I, I want to buy that online because I'm used to it. So I don't need a sales guy anymore. I suspect they still have them. But, and then, and then at some point, if you say a big company like yours, where you have going through a certain number of post-it notes every month a certain number of pens every month, you could get to the point where you say, we subscribe and this is what we're buying every month from these guys and and then add and subtract from that order. But if, it, if you don't change it, I get this. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm thinking- That applies to factories and fulfillment yeah. centers and everything else, right? We, yeah, we got a couple of- yeah, we got a couple of companies that actually we have like their um, birthday list of their internal employees or they're going to do something internally. And we'll make sure that that, you know, especially in the pandemic, you know, people are paying us way too much to get, you know, gifts and stuff to send to their employees. I think we did 13 programs in about one month of multiple items in a box, all custom, custom box. 
you know, ship it to the customer on this day because they're doing their quarterly meeting or they're doing like a big employee or, you know, some people were doing cocktail mixers where the employees were making cocktails at home, getting on Zoom. And so, you know, we'll do those things, but, you know, we, we try to, we're always upfront with customer, with our clients, right? Like we say, you know, let us get back to you. Yes, we can do this because of this, or no, we can't. This other one company can, we're going to play nice with them. Or, you know, we're this confident and just know that. And if you're willing to, you know, take a chance, like we are too. And more times than none, that goes well. And that's just, you got to communicate the whole time on, you know, everything that's going on. But it's fun. Our team, we grew up in that world, you know, and we, we enjoy it. You know, before we hit record, we were talking, don't mention names, but we were talking about the recent article on LinkedIn and <laughs> people were complaining about their 3PLs and we've seen an enormous growth in e-commerce and another yeah. enormous growth in venture capital backed companies in our space. No hate for any of those companies. I've, I've interviewed many of those companies and uh, I say most people get up in the morning, go to work and do the best they can. It doesn't mean it always works, but in this business, when we talk about fulfillment and warehousing, a lot of times it's the fit. So we got to get the right fit with the right company. So I like what you said about, you know, we want to we want to be a resource. We want to work with you. And if you aren't a good fit, then let's, we'll play nice. We'll move the stuff down. Because I think part of the article that we all saw was, hey, stuff's being held ransom. My stuff is stuck in somebody. And, and let's face it, if you're a company that depends on e-commerce and you're not getting it's along with your 3PL, it's as a nightmare. And by the way, also, we all make mistakes, but if I make a mistake where I I needed a bigger box than I thought I needed and I didn't realize that my my shipping costs would be this high, now I'm losing money and I'm angry at my 3PL because he and I somehow together created this debacle. Not necessarily in 3PL, but somebody's, somebody's going to get blamed and, and no one wants to go in and blame themselves. So this is this is a very difficult decision. That's why we've talked about Joe Spizak. I just published the podcast with him from fulfill.com. And I was saying that's fulfill.com. I said, you're like match.com for shippers and e-commerce, I mean, 3PLs. And it's important yeah, no, because- He's tender. He's tender. Yeah, no, I, I, I always say, I, I talked to him afterwards. I thought yes, it was I did. funny. When he, I did say, yeah, I didn't want to say tender. Yeah. He said yeah. that. So sorry, Joe. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot worse he could be called. But yeah. yeah yep. Anyway, it's, it, it is a very difficult thing to pick a 3PL. And you and I were saying before we hit record is, I said, it's my old saying, but I've said it when I was at a 3PL. We aren't, uh, we aren't dating. We aren't engaged. We're married. So make sure I'm the one you want to spend your life with. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm so pumped you said that on this show that I was on with you. I was like, I hope he says that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, yeah, love, my, I love that line. I, by the way, <laughs> all my good true. lines I stole from somebody else who's on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ditto. Ditto. And, but, but the thing is, is like, you're, you're right. You are absolutely right. And here's where I think having been on the client side and, you know, 10 years and, you know, I'll just, I'll call a spade a spade. We've, we've made every mistake in the book. Our clients are like, we have seen it all. The nice thing about that is, you know, when those things happen for companies that sign up with us, we, we say, our account managers say, you know, we provide the issue and three solutions, one good, one fast, one cheap. And then we say, you know, for this brand, we did this, this is what we were in our whole internally. It's stay one step ahead for our clients, which is the most frustrating thing was finding out a problem occurred and then calling your 3PL and you're almost managing them and then they're just sticking you with a bill, right? And and it is that is the last thing in the world our people are, I'm like, you better call them, you better have solutions or the beginning of the solutions. And we got to the place with a lot of clients where we just make the call on their behalf and they love it, right? Because we yeah. understand what their goal what their goals are. I've said this to people before when helping them select a 3PL and I say, these are larger companies that have a big spend and they'll go, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want that guy and that guy. We don't need those two guys. I said, all you're looking at, you're looking and saying that's $150,000 a year for each head. I said, how I'm looking at that is they're going to save me a million bucks a year together. And I said, you have to start looking at your 
3PL differently. It's not a cost. I mean, it's a, it is a cost, but having good people on invest, a team investment. And, yeah, enables you to do a better and better job. And we, especially for this kind of thing you're doing, it again, anybody who's received packages at their house, which virtually everybody these days, we've all experienced a good experience and a bad experience. And when that box is too big or there's too much, you mentioned the packing peanuts around the house. And then how many people just kind of take that empty box and throw it in their garage and 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 then after a while you feel guilty. So I think there's so much that we're going to we know a lot now, but we're gonna learn more and more. And I think this is why you pick a company like yours that actually has a specialty that says this is what we do. And when you come to us, we've we've already we've lived most of these problems already. Absolutely. Most most e-commerce companies and you know, we we service plenty of non-e-commerce companies, but you know, most of these companies that start off selling something online and they got that Amazon thing going and whatever. What the and, and I say this because we did the same thing, right? And I've seen it all all day, every day. They don't realize until they have landed in retail successfully or figured out their marketing formula and they can truly hit the scale it up. But until that moment in time, that kind of, you know, point of like diminishing returns, what they don't understand is like, you're actually cutting your legs out from under you by not paying attention to logistics. Right. And that doesn't mean that you have to know everything. That doesn't mean whatever, but it does mean that you either need somebody on your team or a really good partner that's going to help you understand that, hey, if we put this in a different box, remove this item, change your packaging up, now you're under two pounds. That's a big difference, right? right? Yeah. And, and you want those people doing those things on your behalf. And yeah, just when you know people ship something into the warehouse and it's done and it's shipping or whatever, it's just th- the amount of companies that could save a buck or two and change your business is great, but also we, if you called us and just were looking for our rates, you're going to have a hard time with it. Right. Like, cause we, cause if you're calling us doing that now, you might be going around and there are certain companies, that's what they got to do, but we want people that are ready to grow. Right. And, and I think also that what you just spoke to means don't, don't just let the, log- and I, by the way, nothing against the logistics guy or the shipping guy. But a lot of times we let those decisions go to the one guy who says, "Well, my job is to save money. You better get the you better get the sales group involved. You better get your accounting group. I always say develop a team internally to understand everybody's needs from that three PL because three PLs, especially ones like yours, they have they serve multiple people within the organization beyond the logistics people, and that's why oftentimes you'll hear the sales guys." When you talk to them, they go, oh, my God, I hate our 3PL. And then you talk to the shipping guy. He goes, oh, they're great. Well, why does your sales guy hate him? Because he's the one who gets the complaints about stuff that didn't get there on time. Yep. Yep. One of the things that, you know, we working with big brands, we got like, you know, the fancy office and, uh, and all that stuff. And, and I actually really built like a disdain for that wall between, you know, people doing the physical work and people in the back office, you know, the admin, the project manager. So you know, one thing that is like set in stone now is we are all in the same location, period, end of story. Why? And why do we purposefully put the bathroom so we're going to have collisions with everything? Why do we have somebody from every department on leadership team meetings? Why are people required to, you know, talk to and work with everybody? Because it's those moments when people are walking out on the floor and they go, hey, what's that? And somebody says, oh, it's this new gummy vitamin, blah, blah, blah. And they go, are they drop shipping on GNC? Like, no. And you're like, we, we are, you know, one of the only certified, we, we need to get that on GNC, right. call them up. And, and just like, you know, walking through and looking at stuff, it, it's incredible how much, you know, you can protect your brands and more shipments is good for all, right? It's better. Yeah. It's, uh, I love what you guys are doing. And by the way, this is a whole nother podcast, so I won't go too deep into it, but my daughters were driving from Michigan to Portland and they stopped in Lincoln, Nebraska. Same with my son-in-law. And they they called me that night and they go, oh my God, Lincoln, Nebraska is the coolest city. And I was like, well, <laughs> I go, what's That's a college town, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I said, yeah, most college towns, and, and they go, well, we're really surprised us, but we love to hear. And they did not, and they said, Nebraska and Nebraska got a lot of corn. <laughs> oh, man. This is fun. It's a corn, corn desert. But I, I said, you should know. I said, my daughters, you are from a flyover state, Michigan. So you know how there's lots of cool places in this world that aren't necessarily on the coast. And they're like, and they both were like, I could live there. I was like, I could live there. I go, yeah. yeah. So I've heard good things about it. Yeah, my license plate says uh, it's not a custom one. It's a, it's a. The, the template says we don't coast. There's a group of us in the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> we, we got kind of tired of being, you know, the flyover and whatever. And that's cute. And there's a couple of us that have lived all over New York and whatever. And we're like, you know what? Like this, like Lincoln is like it's awesome. Like it's kind of really really cool. And I was in Ann Arbor not so long ago, and I saw had the same thing where there's a mother with her kid from New York. She goes. Ann Arbor is really cool. I go, well, you didn't expect that. She goes, this is like this is like Soho. I was like, well, I go except without the traffic and the prices. <laughs> yeah, I lived I lived in uh, I lived in Soho and then in Soma in San Francisco and and that whole you know, I, I a long time ago it really hit me with the Midwesterners. You have to almost give permission or figure out a way for them to promote themselves. They're just not used to it, right? So we started this thing called bang, it's a hashtag bang the drum. And, you know, we, it's, it's permission for people to post on social media, which if people see my social media, they'll be, God, this guy's loud and everywhere all the time, but it's almost like this flag. And we put hashtag bang the drum, which is basically Midwesterners saying, I don't know how to tell people about how awesome things are, how great this business is or whatever. Cause we're just not used to it. Right. 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 Um, and so it's, once you give permission to people and they see it, they're like, there's some pretty cool things popping off around here. Yeah, excellent. So I want to wrap this bad boy up. Before you go, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you. Who should I have on my podcast? Um, I've thought about this. And I'm going to have to go with Tom Wiki. How does he spell that? W-I-C-K-Y. And what's he do? And he is CEO of the largest Amazon three P uh, FBA three PL, and it is called. Ah, uh, we haven't done FBA lately. Yeah, that's always a question, right, for a lot of people. And it's my FBA prep. I will reach out to Tom and t- tell him that you're responsible for me calling him. So yeah, he's just a great dude. I look forward to that. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your company website to Bulu. Awesome. And any other links Bulu you and your group. marketing team give me. And then it's bulugroup.com. And then any other links you give me, I'll put in the show notes and I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. And uh, what conferences will I see you at? I'm going to be in Shock Talk in a couple of weeks. And I just got back. Let's see, I did uh, Expo West, Pipeline, Etail, Palm Springs. So you get to all the big ones? I, I've been not, I haven't done any for two years. And I me used neither. to uh, do speaking. <laughs> yeah. And it's been really good to get out there. And especially with those ios 14 changes and the marketing whatever i'm like yo we're gonna go boots on the floor we know this will work so it's been fun to get out there in the field so you'll probably see my my tall white shrek person looking guy a lot of places so (laughs) you see the guy with bulu on bulu hat who's six five yeah we'll notice you even in a slim down 240 we'll still notice you they uh svelte svelte 240 i will (laughs) well i hopefully we'll see you at manifest next year too and uh one absolutely and um yeah it was great talking to you and uh yeah i love what you guys are doing hey thank you so much joe um thank you for this podcast it's yeah thank you so needed in this industry and um huge fan and and truly honored to be on it it's uh I can't wait to hear it on the episode. I might actually listen to it, like myself. <laughs> I might actually, I might actually listen to myself. Speaking <laughs> of which, if I know you've done some other podcasts that you had on your own, so if you if you feel up to it, give me those links because uh, I'd love to put. Yeah, you are a very interesting speaker. You're a great guest, and uh, people might want to follow up and listen to your other podcasts. I like what you guys are doing. Yeah, just getting back into the speaking game, so it's been fun. But I, I tell people. Hold on, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, there, there'll be some posts about me if you hire yep. me. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Have a good one. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, yes, exactly. And thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.